0: Welcome to Estabrook's for the Joy of Gardening. I'm Tom Estabrook. I'm your host. Uh, We're excited to be doing the show. Our hope is that we're going to create a show specifically for Maine gardeners. And our customers are excited about the show. We've got a whole bunch of questions to get to. We'll also have uh, Jim Massey, nursery manager here at our Yarmouth uh, location. He'll be coming in uh, a little bit later in the show he's going to be talking about 2013 perennials we have a whole slate of brand new stuff for this year so many varieties we can't talk about them all today but uh, let me tell you a little bit about Esterbrooks for some of you folks who don't know who we are we're a family operated business um, we've been around over 50 years and we started out as a family farm uh, we grew chickens for DeCoster then we went to vegetables found out quickly it's very tough to make money on vegetables. Moved into Garden Center and have been doing Garden Center work for probably the last 25 years. I'm the third generation, along with my brother and cousins. So we have three generations. So we're, we're a strong Maine family company and excited to be on the radio here, bringing our knowledge to the Maine customer. Estabrooks has three locations. Our main location is in Yarmouth. Then we have two satellite stores, um, Scarborough and Kennebunk on Route 1. You can visit our website, estabrooksonline.com, or visit us at Facebook, keyword Estabrooks. And we have e-news. We have all kinds of very interactive website. We try to provide real main information for our customers. really important that... Maine information is provided, because all these tags, all these different websites that are out there, they're great, but they don't give the local perspective, Um, and Maine's a different world, as we all know. We have very, very cool, wet springs and very nice, moderate summers, um, and those tend to create different problems for our main customers so we're looking forward to answering a bunch of those questions for you if you would like to submit questions to our show please visit our website go to our Facebook page there's a link to the radio show where you can submit questions Um, we'll possibly bring you on live and have a nice conversation about your problems Um, if you have friends that have problems please pass along to them that this is an option to get some of those answers I guess at this point, we'll kind of move forward, and uh, we're going to start in on some questions from some of our customers. Uh, we've got Janice from Yarmouth and she saw a nice article that Tom Atwell did in the Portland Press Herald about a mildew that's attacking impatience. A uh, big, big thing. Uh, so according to Tom Atwell's column Sunday, January 20th, there's a new fungus that has been identified as affecting impatience. Also, the greenhouse growers may not ever want to risk growing them again. So it's downy mildew that is the the problem, and this is going to be a huge issue. Impatiens is the number one annual that basically across the United States, or it was. This uh, this has been affecting all of basically the southern states, uh, Florida, the Carolinas, up into New Jersey, has had it for a couple years. Maine saw it start to really show up about July or August, you know, right when we get that heat and humidity. You know, you might have seen your patients, all of a sudden they dropped all their leaves. Some of the stems started turning black and they just kind of wilted and kind of disappeared we started having customers coming in last summer didn't know all the details and and the details to be perfectly honest are somewhat fuzzy but what we do know and i'd like to thank tom atwell for bringing this to everyone's attention because this is going to be the number one issue for this spring is that downy mildew is not something that's going away so we need to start talking about alternatives Um, but before we do that you know this spore stays active one to five years in the soil So if you had it last year, you're going to get it again this year. So our recommendation is don't plant impatience. That's a very tough thing for a garden center owner to say because it's a lot of money that we sell. You know, I mean, we sell a lot of impatience. There's nothing like an impatient. There's nothing that's going to replace an impatient. Nothing fits the bill, which is tough because we're going to try to give you other options, but it's going to be really tough. So one to five years in the soil. We don't know all the answers. That's our guesstimate. Are there any sprays or things to to knock it down? No, it's windborne. So what's going to happen is you're going to go ahead and plant those, and it's going to just be spread around by the environment. So it's a very, very tough, and I appreciate Janice asking the question. Our take on this is we're going to still carry a little bit of impatience because our focus is I'm going to push it towards plant them in pots. Around your patio, around areas where there's a lot of pavement, it doesn't mean you're still not going to get the disease, but it probably isn't going to affect you because you're putting new soil in the pots. You've got a clean environment, but we're going to push you kind of towards that. We're going to have signage in the nursery explaining what it is. We're going to have the staff is going to be up to date. They're going to know. So if you go into a store and you don't see the signage, you don't see you see a whole bunch of impatience. You should probably question whether or not. You know, um, that nursery is up to speed with what's going on. We've got another question from Norm in Springvale. And he wanted to know about begonias, the wax varieties. He's used them for years in the shade. Um, And begonias, wax begonias, are one of those plants we're going to go ahead and tell you to use a lot more of. They're an easy plant. And his, his question really is, is it okay to put them in full sun? Well, that's the nice part about wax begonias. We can go ahead and we can put them in sun or shade. Uh, which is really, really nice. They're very versatile. So you have that spot where you've got sun and shade at different parts of the day, and it's always a struggle to find the right plant. The nice part is they're no deadheading, no cleaning, easy to use. There's some really nice new ones that have come on the market called the Big Series, and and it's tough because they only come in red and pink. But, boy, they are beautiful. They grow about 16 inches tall, bigger leaf, bigger flower, more open habit, good for airflow, less disease problems. Um, so, the big series, there's a couple other series that, that we're trying also. I don't want to talk about them yet because I don't know if they're tested and tried and true. So, we try to test all our, our varieties before we put them out there. But, um, the big series i've been i've been impressed with and uh you know go into your local garden center ask for the big series ask early because i think because of the impatience think they're going to sell out quick the other thing is sun patients and normas i also tried sun patients last year and found them to be leggy and really kind of big and open and sun patients is another thing that is going to be one of those replacements new guinea impatience and sun impatience, okay? Let's get get kind of down to what we're looking at as far as they're, they're similar animals, but different. Sun patients are a form of New Guinea impatience that have been bred to be more in the sun. And Norm, I will say, if you planted them in more shade, Um, they would be really leggy. They're a very vigorous grower. They're meant to be in full sun to maybe down to uh, six hours of sunlight, so a good strong half day. If you put them in more shade, they're going to get leggy. They're going to flop on you. But, They're an excellent replacement for impatiens, the type that are affected by downy mildew. But they're bigger growers, so put them farther back in your garden. Don't put them up close like you would your normal impatiens. If you're looking for a replacement for more parts on to shade, New Guinea patients are the way to go. And those are the old tried and true. Um, there's many series. They're all good. But what I would say is a much larger range of colors also in those. Um, you know, everything from blush pinks to dark pinks to whites to lavenders to bicolors. And I think New Guinea patients are going to give you the bang for your buck like the old-fashioned patients. But you're going to spend a little more money to get them. But you don't have to plant them as close. So when you look at the cost of replacing your old-fashioned Impatients patients, you know, you came in, you bought the six packs forever. We can't do six packs, unfortunately, on a lot of these replacements. You're going to buy them in four-inch pots. The nice part is there are a lot more vigorous varieties, so you have to put less plants in. So make sure and talk to the staff in the nursery. Talk to them about your spacing, what you need for plants. Not necessarily, you know, you might have come in and normally bought 100 plants of regular impatience. Now you maybe only need 15. Um, so the cost will be somewhat comparable to the square footage. Other plants that are going to be really, really focal in in that shady spot, coleus. Coleus has come a long way. We've got everything from ruffled leaves to bicolors to you name it. The one thing about coleus is, it, is the new varieties really like more sun. To get those vivid colors, to get, you know, that special, you know, coloration in the leaves and to get the vigor that you want. If they're in real deep shade, you're gonna have a struggle getting those colors. They're gonna kind of mute out. They'll they'll go kind of those purpley colors. They'll they'll just kind of you know lose all their definitions. So when you come in the garden center and you look at these beautiful plants on the bench and you see all of them and they've got all these stripes and, and these fabulous you know veinations, when you put them in shade, you're gonna start to lose that because we grow them in sun, um, and the breeding has moved more towards. You know, those uh, scenarios of, of more sun, better veination. So, the coleus is going to work really well with those sun impatience. And you can move it towards the shade and kind of maybe bridge the gap. So, you have sun patients and sun, some coleus. And then, as you move towards shade, then maybe you're going ahead and you're going to move towards the New Guinean patients, maybe Bacopa. Bacopa is a beautiful white flower. They come in great colors now. We've got white, we've got lavender, we've got bicolors. We've added some new varieties in short supply this year. It's going to be really interesting to see which varieties all of you folks gravitate to because we are adding some new varieties this year on some of these plants because of of this impatient issue. We're going to have a lot of new varieties which is exciting and scary all at the same time as a nursery owner we've got so many different things um lobelias another easy thing nice and low tight to the ground Uh, Everything from blues to whites to bicolors. Lobelia, traditionally, you buy it in six-packs, and we'll still have it in six-packs. Those six-packs will be a very reasonable price, um, but they're seed varieties. They are not as fast-growing as some of the vegetative types. And when I talk seed types and vegetative types, just so you know, um, there's two different ways of buying plants. Uh, Seed you know, means simply we grow them from seed, and then they're grown from seed vegetative means that they're taken from a cutting and that you get very consistent growth from things from cuttings. It's kind of like cloning or whatnot, but basically what it does is every plant acts the same. Where seed, you know, you may have a very wide range of how they act. So sometimes when you plant six plants out of a, out of a seed plant, you might have two or three that do really well. And then two or three that, well, they just don't, seem as vigorous or whatnot and that's because it's seed grown um where the vegetative stuff you know um you're going to go ahead um and when i say vegetative uh you may know the brand of plants proven winners that's all vegetative stuff um the prices are a little more but you wanna want to what you get a lot more vigor you get a lot more flower um that is what we sell the most of um and what that does is it gives you consistency not only in your pots but in the ground you name it all around. So to refresh, we're talking lobelia, we're talking coleus, we're talking wax begonias, we're talking tuberous begonias, all the begonias will work. You know, so a lot of other options. Don't necessarily shy away from trying some impatience in some pots, but we've got to be cautious about all of that. So I want to thank Janice and Norm uh, for their questions. And if you want to submit questions, please go to our website, www.estbrooks.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with you and more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Hi, this is Peter Boldick at Harvest Hill Farms. For those folks who are looking for healthy eating alternatives, we have been raising natural range-fed beef and poultry right here in the great state of Maine for over 15 years. Let us introduce you to our Never Ever program, Our animals are never, ever introduced to growth hormones or antibiotics, only raised as nature intended. We are conveniently located on Route 26 in Mechanic Falls. To find out more, call us at 998-5485 or go to our website, harvesthillfarms.com. That's harvesthillfarms.com. Vikings. We come from different places. Uptown. Downtown. We come
1: to different conclusions.
0: Half empty. Half full.
1: But when we live united, we make a real difference in the building blocks of life. Children succeed in school. Families gain financial stability. The health of our neighbors improves and suddenly so do our communities. Real change won't happen without you.
0: Live, live united. united.
1: So give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Sign up today at LiveUnited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
0: And welcome back to "For the Joy of Gardening" by Esther Brooks um, on WLOB. We're excited. We're here answering questions of customers today. We'll have Jim Massey coming in in a little bit. Nursery manager for Esther Brooks Yarmouth. He's going to talk new perennials. But uh, let's get back to some questions because uh, let's face it, it's cold. It's February. We're not thinking plants out there. But now's the time to start thinking about your veggie garden. So I have Nancy from portland and her question is i'm a complete gardening novice but would like to have a small vegetable garden this summer when i'm starting seeds in my garden should i initially space them accordingly to the spacing guidelines or thin them later to correct the spacing boy let me talk about novice vegetable gardening this is a huge thing We all need to get back to growing our own vegetables. You can grow them in pots. You can grow them any way you want, really. And we have a lot of tricks and and tools now at our fingertips and new varieties that will provide you a good, bountiful harvest without as much work. But veggie gardening is work. Let's be perfectly honest. This is something you can't just plant the plant, walk away, and then, you know, two months later you come back and there's big ripe tomatoes there and you're happy and you're having your tomato salad with some salt and pepper and a little olive oil and just enjoying life on a nice summer day. If that's what you want to do, go to the store and buy some tomatoes. Backyard Farms has some great ones, you know, but just know getting into it, it's going to be some work. But we're here to support you, okay? So along the way... Ask those questions. Don't feel afraid that you're going to ask a question that's, you know, that's going to make a fool out of you. Questions are going to get you to the point where you're going to really love your garden and thrive in your vegetable garden. So let's talk a little bit about Nancy's question. So you're just starting out, Nancy. It's important that we set ourselves up for success right from the get-go. So what I like to tell people first to start is, maybe don't seed some things, you know, come into the nursery and buy a few plants all started. It's a lot easier to start that way. The second thing is think of the main things you like in salad, cucumbers, tomatoes, lettuce, simple things that you can come in and buy one or two plants, get started and have some success with them right away. Don't try to grow okra. You know, if you love okra, that's wonderful, but it's much tougher. You know, if you love broccoli, well, maybe you try six plants. But Try a variety of things that are going to work well for you, but maybe stay away from seeding things the first year. Come in and buy some, some seedlings from us. We've done a lot of the work ahead of time, and that will set you up for a little more success. And then maybe the year after we try something from seed, and the year after we try a little bit more. Maybe we try some corn. Maybe we try some potatoes down the road. But the big thing when you're first starting out is make sure your soil is really good. So before you even think about planting anything, you got to prepare your garden bed. We, a lot of times, recommend you do this in the fall. So you're ready to go in the spring. Our main springs are really cold and wet. So it's tough to get in there and rototill and work your ground. So maybe the first year you try a few things in some pots. And then by the time you get to, say, May, you can go ahead and you can get in there and you can dig in the soil and add compost to your soil and build a raised bed. And, but don't think you have to do everything right away. Because our planting season really is the end of May. So you do have time to get things ready. But it's a lot of work. Don't bite off more than you can chew. I would recommend no more than a 10 by 10 garden to start. Anything bigger than that is huge. Another thing you might consider is talk to your local community gardens. There are many of them. There's one in Yarmouth, there's one in Kennebunk, there's a bunch in Portland. You might be able to rent a plot to get started too. And that's a good way to be around a lot of other gardeners that are successful and have an outlet to ask questions. And they do a lot of the work for you typically. You know, they've got the soils all ready to go. You know, so that might be a way to go. And if you don't have a good spot in your yard... That might be a a nice way to start also and get you out into the community and meet a bunch of new people who like to garden. If you are you don't have a good sunny spot, you know, I like to say it needs to have six to eight hours of full sun for a good vegetable garden. You know, if you don't have that spot and you have really poor soil like clay or whatnot, you may want to look into that community garden situation. As far as spacing if you are going to go ahead and try things from seed my suggestion is go ahead seed the whole packet and then go ahead and thin the plants later on if you're going to seed indoors my suggestion is less is more do less seedlings you know you buy a a packet of tomatoes and there's 50 seeds in the packet you're going to need one to two plants that's it You're, you're going to get someplace between 30 and 40 pounds per tomato plant you're going to need one cucumber plant so when you look at some of those things, it's, it's more effective and efficient for you to come into the garden center and just buy one or two of those plants, comparative to you trying to seed them. And, and you might think you're saving money, but in the end, you're probably not because of the frustration and work and effort. And the biggest thing I want you to make sure is that you're successful, because I want you to come back and garden year after year and build upon what you've done. Vegetable gardens are, can be a very frustrating thing. We've got disease and insects and do you grow organically, don't you? These are all tough questions and we're here to help along the way. I hope that helps with that answer uh, to your question. If you have other questions about vegetable gardens, please submit them. Go to estabrooksonline.com and click on the radio button so that uh, you can submit a question. On that same line of, of topic, we've got a question from Jack in Scarborough. For years, he's had success with a vegetable garden in his backyard and a beautiful lawn all around. However, the last two seasons, he's been chasing powdery mildew everywhere. Powdery mildew is a very tough problem in a vegetable garden. And a lot of times, it really comes down to not giving enough air space and giving enough space for all your plants so you you do the 10 by 10 garden and you come to the garden center and you're all excited you know you get in there and there's a bunch of flowering stuff and you go to the vegetable and herb section and you just start loading up a cart i'm gonna probably go against what most garden center owners are going to tell you right now i don't want you to load the cart up because i want you to be successful so what i want you to do is make a plan before you come to the garden center for your vegetables. Now, flowers, that's a different story. Because you can plant them here, there, everywhere, in pots and whatnot. But... Plan your garden space out appropriately so you give enough room, enough space, and that will ensure that you do a much better job with your disease and insects. He's also had a bunch of problems in his lawn because of it. Well, let's face it. What's happening is those cucumbers, squash, pumpkins, you know, that he's having a lot of problems with, they're growing out on the lawn. Well, that's holding moisture, that's creating a whole bunch of other issues with, you know, dollar spot and and red thread and all kinds of other fun things we see in the lawn. So I think it's probably, Jack, it might be a spacing issue. You know, we need to give more room to those, those big growers. And in a small plot, you know, when you talk pumpkins or or cucumbers uh, you definitely had cucumbers, squash and pumpkins they take a lot of room you got to have a lot of space you might need a 10 by 10 or uh, area just for those three plants the other thing is make sure you don't plant the same plants in the same spot each year so you had this problem last year so we need to build a new garden bed or make a new area so that we're changing what plants we put in it's the same thing with tomatoes it's the same thing with peppers if you plant your plants in the same spot each year, what happens is you start to build up diseases in the, in the soil. And so I always like to have a three-year rotation. So if you have a decent-sized plot, say it's 20 by 20, I put my tomatoes on one end, then the next year I put them in the middle, and the following year I put them on the other end. And by the time the fourth year comes, I'm going all the way back to where I started <laughs> three years ago. What that does is it breaks up the diseases that might be building in the soil. And powdery mildew is one of those things you have to get everything out of there. So if you left all those vines over the winter and you left all the, the old stuff, it's gonna, the spores are going to be around. And so we want to start off clean. So turning your soil is going to be important. Adding good compost, but make sure you're not adding it from your compost pile if you put those vines in there, especially if you're not turning your compost pile every week. We really need to build up the heat in that compost pile to kill all these spores and disease and, and insects and all of that stuff. So if you're using your own compost, you may be inoculating your garden back. So you might consider buying some compost for a season to see if that breaks things up. Use some of that compost around your other garden beds and whatnot. I think probably you are getting behind from the start. So a couple things. Let's basically talk about it. Spacing, spacing, spacing. So make sure you come in with a plan. You know, a 10 by 10, you might only need four plants. That's it. Four plants for a 10 by 10, 100 square foot area for squash, pumpkins, stuff like that. The other thing is if on cucumbers, don't hesitate to plant multiple crops. So if you go ahead and plant some in the spring and then all of a sudden, you know, they start not to really be producing that well, yank them out and go ahead and put, new ones in and you might be able to plant them in a different location or a different you know so that you have a crop coming all the time but it's really important that we go ahead and find ways to keep the vegetables coming out of your garden but once you get cucumbers and they're stressed and they're not really giving you much for, for vegetables anymore, you know, you really need to think about pulling them because they're stressed. They're starting to yellow. They will inoculate your pumpkins and squash that you're not going to harvest till later. And you probably might be finding that it's showing up on your cucumbers first because you're in there picking them all the time and you're, you're breaking branches and whatnot. Uh, Fungicide is going to be important too. So, you know, I didn't talk a lot about that, but there's a couple organic fungicides that I think would work well. If we need to go a little stronger, we can do so. But I always like to start on the, on the organic side. Um, one is Serenade. It's a spray. Um, it works quite well. But with all the organics, you need to start before you see a problem if you start after you see a problem we probably need to go more a synthetic form to kind of stop it the organics work very well but you need to be proactive with them copper fungicide is another one organic mix it with warm water Very key, warm water. Don't mix it with cold water because it's a dust. Um, And I don't like to use it as a dust. Um, I think we just put too much product out there. Let's go ahead and mix it with warm water and spray it. It's much more effective, and I think you'll have much better success. So spacing, possibly some preventive fungicide, making sure you're not using compost that hasn't been turned effective um, and killed those spores, and good overall switching of where you're planting the plants year in and year out. That will really help knock out what we call the triangle of disease. So we're taking one of those parts of the triangle and taking it right out of the equation. And if you don't have all three parts to the triangle, you really can't have these problems. So I hope that helps with your question. If you have questions, please visit our website, estabrooksonline.com. And uh, we're gonna take another short break here for the joy of gardening. And uh, we're going to take a quick break on News Talk WLOB.
1: Most days go by without a whole lot of surprises. But what if a disaster strikes without warning? What if life as you know it has completely turned on its head? Would you be prepared? Before a disaster turns your family's world upside down, be ready. Get a kit. Make a plan. Be informed. Learn how at www.ready.gov. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency and the Ad Council.
0: Hey, Mom. I'm really star- starving for a snack. Yeah, I was thinking maybe some, some... pepperoni breadsticks? How did you know I... Love pepperoni? Wait, are you able to... to- read your mind? Of course. I'm a mom. So, you know about the C I gotten in geography?
1: I do now.
0: It's the recipe that's so easy. It's not a
1: recipe. It's a recipe Like Hormel pepperoni baked on top of breadsticks. Find more tasty ideas at recipe com. Hormel. Life better served.
0: At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop texts. Stop wrecks.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And welcome back to For the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and uh, we're going to be talking with Jim Massey. He's my nursery manager in the Armas store. We're going to be talking new perennials. And here we go. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Great. So we're going to talk uh, new perennials today. I know oh, yeah. There's a lot of new stuff. So uh, where are we seeing perennials going? I mean, there's so many varieties coming on the market right now.
1: Well, you know, that's true. New varieties keep us all really interested, I know, but we're really focusing on plants that we can fit into most people's gardens, plants that have more bloom potential, Mm -hmm. that have more foliage attributes. So that's kind of where I see the trend going right now.
0: Oh, wonderful. So Jim, tell me a little bit about some of the new perennials that we're going to have at Estabrooks this year.
1: I think a lot of some of the exciting varieties that I'm seeing, you know, some of the baptesias, you know, one of them that I think is really interesting this year is a uh, baptisia called Decadence Blueberry Sunday. It's a proven winners variety.
0: Who doesn't like a blueberry Sunday, right?
1: Exactly,
0: right. You know, Maine blueberry Yeah, and it's
1: blue, okay. <laughs> so blue is one of the most fleeting colors in the garden. Absolutely. You know? So, um, you know, it's got beautiful gray foliage, beautiful blue lupin-like flowers, and these flowers are more intense than other blue battejas that we've seen, Okay. as well as a compact habit, which makes it, you know, easy, like I said before, to fit into more of a wide range of gardens, and they're tough perennials. They take it dry, they take clay soil, sandy soil, so it's really, um, you know, an easy, beautiful plant for most, um, most people to be able to grow.
0: And what's the common name to that plant? Oh,
1: that's called false indigo.
0: Okay. Yep. And are, are you finding a trend that, you know, folks have smaller gardens? Well, yeah,
1: smaller gardens, but also... More compact. You know, people wanting to fit more color into their existing gardens. So even in a large space, if the plants are more compact, you can have more of a variety
0: to choose from. Okay. Okay. What type of plants would you recommend maybe planting with false indigo?
1: Well, other dry-loving plants, since this plant, you know, handles, you know, unadulterated sun, you know, Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, Achilles, you know, some of the yarrows would be great. Okay. Um, You know, other dry-loving plants like some gray foliage, uh, Artemisia, like Silver Mound, Okay. You know, um, and also some of the blanket flowers or Gallardia. Galardias, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that blue goes really well with that orange range of the galardias. You know, kind of that um, summer color scheme.
0: Yeah. And there's just a ton of of different and new varieties of galardias too. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, too many right. to even talk about on the radio today. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And summer and as f- and as far as um, the Achilles, you yeah. know, you know, those yarrows have been around forever.
1: They have, but, you know, we're seeing more and more improvements in those Yarrows. They kind of fell out of favor for a while, but right. those colors are coming back in again, and they're breeding these plants. You know, there's a series called Tutti Frutti series. Mm-hmm. They're breeding them for more bloom potential. Um, they're also breeding them so they don't run as much in the garden, which was a concern with the older right,
0: varieties. Being, being a little invasive sometimes, yeah, people
1: think. Or, you know, just, you know, happily spreading themselves around. Right. So, the thing about these yarrows is you can cut them back almost to the ground, all the way to the ground. They pop right up and do it all again. Yeah, so, so
0: you get two or three sets of flowers on some of these yarrows. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's not your grandmother's yarrow, the no. old yellow one that flopped no. and never bloomed right. again. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, Blueberry Sunday sounds great. Yeah, great plant. Okay. What else yeah. do we have?
1: Well, um, lots of breeding in Coreopsis as well, or the Tick Seeds. Okay. There's some new colors coming on the market. I think we all remember years ago when there was um, a red one that came out, which didn't prove to be the hardiest. Right. So they're making strides in hardiness as well. So good crosses
0: um, for hardiness now. Exactly. Okay. Right.
1: And... Um, So there's one called Mercury Rising. We're going to carry a number of different Coryopsis, but this is an exciting one because it's a beautiful kind of wine red color.
0: Ooh, dark Yellow colors. Yellow center, yeah. They're tough to come by in perennials sometimes, so that's nice.
1: Right, and also, it's again, it's that summer palette, you know? Mm-hmm. So spring is over, and now we move into summer. Sometimes those pink colors or those pastel colors don't say summer in Maine. Right. You know, so I'm very excited about this red coreopsis. I'm planting one for my garden. It's um, another plant that you can put in almost any situation as long as you get at least five or six hours of good sun. Mm-hmm you can cut it back it'll rebloom you can shear it you can just deadhead individual flowers i think a, another application for this plant would be in a container as well with okay. you know summer annuals so, so
0: Cer- ver- certainly you know th- with some of these new perennials that bloom multiple times you know using right. them in containers as as foliage to start and then oh, right. then flower later i mean that's yeah. a, that's a kind of new trend that's that's kind of happening too yeah
1: and you know at my house I'll put them in the ground i'll put them in a pot I'll shear them back mm-hmm. so there's you know so many multiple applications of um, some of these plants, so they just bloom all the time
0: that's that's the name of the game in perennials. Yeah. All these new things really are, are pretty amazing, what they're, yeah. they're doing for right. flower power and exactly. multi-use and yep. and whatnot. Yep. And uh, what else do we have?
1: Well, you know, some delphiniums, another plant that's been around a very long time, um, really an old cottagey garden, English garden plant. But there's a series of delphiniums um, called the New Millennium Hybrids. Mm. Um, they're bred actually for, you know, more heat tolerance and disease resistance.
0: Yeah, that's kind of one of the, the downfalls of most elephantians is right. they go dormant in the summer, right? They exactly. just kind of wilt yeah. away and and yeah. people think that they're actually dead.
1: Right. Yeah, When in well, actuality
0: they just go dormant, right? Right,
1: yeah. And also some of the older varieties, the genetics got so weak that they didn't they didn't even overwinter very well. Right. You know, they bloomed their heads off, but they just you know, bloomed and gave it everything they got the first season, and then our main winters took them away, which is not the case with these new millennium hybrids. Okay. So one of the ones that I picked out to talk about today is called double innocence. And yes, it's a white flower, but white is really an important color in the garden for contrast. Absolutely. Um, double white flower some green tinges, you know, in the interior of the bee, the middle of the -hmm. the center of the flower is called the bee. And the stature is, you know, shorter to three to four feet.
0: Oh, that's nice. So,
1: yeah, it's uh, easier to work in kind of mid-border. Again, delphinium, if I had the opportunity when customers come in, I always give them extra tricks on how to grow delphinium to perfection, but also these are much easier to work with, so they're very forgiving. And, again, you can cut it back, you know, right after it blooms. They usually send up, you know, three another three sets of bloom with good fertilization.
0: So, Which just any time we can get that second round of bloom, yeah. you know. I mean, we're right. talking about it, right. what, blooming in June the first time probably. Yeah, exactly. And then, yep. you know, you're probably looking at August. Yeah, you know, late back. July, August, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like a phenomenal, especially the hardiness factor. I mean, for a lot of time, to- you know, a lot of people now come in and they just say, I'm not planting any more of those Delafinium. They just keep dying. I keep planting them. So, you know, some of these new varieties, uh, you know, are going to fill the bill for a lot of people.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yep. Yep. What else?
1: Oh. Daylilies are oh, always a daylilies. big. Yeah, daylilies are always like staple for high summer color. Right. I picked out a variety. Um, I actually have two varieties to talk about. Okay. Um, depending on the time we have, but the Alabama Jubilee. It's a beautiful kind of red orange color. High summer color. Has a lot of flowering scapes. Mm-hmm. which are the flowering stems, which are h- highly set with, you know, high bud count, okay? okay? So, again, we're breeding plants to have more buds per stem, which extends our bloom period. Blooms usually mid-summer for an extended period, up to three weeks, which for daily is a good thing. Absolutely. And also the flowers are up to seven inches across.
0: Wow, seven Fragrin inches.
1: Fragrant as well, yeah. And fragrant. Yep, fragrant. So, I mean, I, I mean we got it all.
0: I <laughs> know we've got just a whole bunch of daylilies right yeah okay you gotta
1: have them i mean you know
0: every possible. garden needs them they're kind of a backbone yeah absolutely. Um, yep. but some of these new varieties of seven inches wow yeah you right know, and i mean and fragrant right so plant them close to a deck maybe or an yep. area patio yep. or, or you absolutely. know where you're going to really take advantage of that fragrance
1: yeah and they're also bred to hold their flowers open longer so daylily we have what we call extended blooms, so daylily used to close you know when dusk or you know the yeah. evening came, but now they're bred to hold their flowers open longer, so mm. if you have you know a patio with lighting or what have you, you're still gonna see that presence of a of a flower you know later later in the evening wow that's
0: yep. that's a huge, huge thing for dailies. Right, absolutely yeah. um y- you know. When it comes to daylilies, everybody mm-hmm. thinks that old-fashioned orange one that's been around right, for right, 40 right. years and right. doesn't perform well. It blooms for about three days. Yeah, right. um, You know, right. and, and so yep. these new varieties, uh, yeah. you know, we all know Stelladoro. It's yep. been around forever. It's yep, a great, great plant, plant. But, uh, yep. you know, what other daylily do you have to talk about? Well, that?
1: there's in that kind of all-season bloom range, you know, there's Stelladoro. There's um, Happy Returns. So the same breeder um, that bred Happy Returns has come up with uh, Just Plum Happy, which is a really big color break in all season-blooming daylily. That
0: might have to be the plant, you know, the the plant we have on the sign or something for the radio show for the Joy of Gardening, you know? There you go, Uh, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this plant has ruffled mauve pink blossoms, okay, have a prominent plum purple eye, and um, really heavily branched flower escapes. So you have 15 to 18 buds on each branch. Wow. And so then once that escape has gone, you cut that back and it'll bloom
0: into the fall just like a happy return. So, again, all these new varieties, they right. just, you know, a lot right. of these breeders are working on them getting to bloom two right. and three times. our season's so
1: short, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's Maine, nice basically, you,
0: yeah. you wake up, and it's mud right. season, and then all yeah. of a sudden it's summer, and then, let's face it, I love fall. So, right. um, if we can get more plants to bloom in fall, that's just right. a win-win for everybody. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, what else? Well, I, I know we must be getting towards the end of your list right. here for this week. anyway. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, shade is also hard, and you can't talk shade without talking hosta, you know? Um, Again, another plant that's in the lily family, like daylily. Mm -hmm. Kind of a couple exciting varieties. Um, Queen of the Seas, which is a beautiful blue hosta. The leaves are kind of um, like an elongated heart shape, so they have a little bit of a point to them. Mm -hmm. Blue coloration as i might have mentioned Mm. and also along the edge of the leaf you have a beautiful kind of ruffled edge almost like a almost like pie crust ruffling they call it you either love the flower in hosta or you don't right these flowers are near white color as well
0: yeah i like the white flowers a lot better than the lavender yeah
1: and you know Tends to be that the white flower varieties have some fragrance. Right. It doesn't always apply. This plant's so new, I don't have that information, but I'm hopeful. But that plant's you know, is about two feet tall and about three feet wide. So it's nice to have an, another option of a plant that's not Giant in a blue hosta
0: right that 's more workable with other plants and I think it 's important to to point out that when right. we 're growing these plants yeah um, and we do grow these right at our Yarmouth location yep. mm-hmm. um, that our staff is going to really tell you. You know, right. this is a new variety. Right. I don't know all the answers. Right. And, and for right. you to point out that, you know, we're hopeful that it's fragrant, but we don't know yet. I, right. I think that's really important information for people to know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's you It's know, hard to get all the information It is. And, too, yeah. and with these, you know, suppliers that we buy the liners from and, right, and grow right. them on, right. that information isn't always available to us either.
1: Which is a challenge for a plant geek like me. You Absolutely. You know, and, uh,
0: so it's like... <laughs>
1: I want all the information. I always shoot for an A, but sometimes that information is just not available.
0: Right, right. So you know, we love feedback from customers. Oh, if you yeah. like things, you know, if right. you see things that really right. perform well, let us know when you come into the garden center. Right. Tell our staff because yeah. that's how we learn too.
1: Right, and it's you know, constructive criticism is always welcome. You know, it's good to be able to know what what our customers are thinking and have our fingers on the pulse of of what they want so
0: right right if we hear a lot of customers not having success with something we stop growing it absolutely you know Uh, we want you to have success with all the plants that that you buy from us for sure um happy gardeners come back so yeah so exciting stuff for spring absolutely um we've got a lot more varieties to talk about in the future where should we go to get information about these new plants
1: you can like us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We have a website, uh, which is com. You can contact me directly through that page uh, on, the, on our contact list. You mm-hmm. can get in touch with uh, Jim at com or you, Tom. On. So there's many ways to get in touch. We also have an email newsletter, which um, I think is really valuable that you can sign up for online on our web, on our website.
0: And a lot of times these new plants are in that newsletter. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's very informational-based. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you know, we try to keep it really current and up-to-date. Okay. You know, the season has a life of its own, so sometimes, Absolutely. you know, we, like I say, we shoot for an A, but... Uh, I'm pretty happy with what we're able to do. So, yeah.
0: Well, uh, we really want to thank you, Jim, for talking to us today. Oh, um, nice obviously, way. we've got a lot more to talk about in the future, and as we get into kind of the spring and whatnot, um, we'd love to have you back.
1: Okay, great. All right. All right, thanks for having me.
0: All right, well, that's Jim Massey, nursing manager at uh, Estabrooks and Yarmouth, talking about new perennials for 2013. I think we're going to take probably a quick break now. So you're listening to For the Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks on News Talk WLOB.
1: alert arthritis alert now there's a pain killing cream that reduces arthritis pain on contact it's called painbuster 2 painbuster 2 has a rare combination of pain killing powerhouses to provide deep penetrating heat to joints and muscles that need it most to help relieve stiffness and improve mobility arthritis pain sufferers will be amazed at the way painbuster 2 could help them
0: live normal and active lives
1: arthritis alert arthritis alert
0: painbuster 2 is now available at CVS Walmart and Walgreens everywhere Bullfrog Sunscreen passes the toughest tests under the sun. Listen to Mom and Marathoner Rachel Munoz. My choice
1: is Bullfrog Marathon Mist. I accidentally stumbled upon it because I was running a marathon here in the summer in Mississippi. I fell in love with it. When I put it on my kids, I can put it on really fast and I don't have to worry. Bullfrog, it just stays on.
0: Bullfrog Marathon Mist. Broad-spectrum sunscreen engineered to stay put in and out of the water. Water-resistant 80 minutes uses directed. Bullfrog on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome back for The Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks. Very helpful information from Jim Massey there. Um, You know, always. Just a ton of new varieties every year. We try to do the best to give you the best information. Definitely visit our website. We'll be continually adding those to our website. They're not all all on there. But we will have a lot of these varieties in our newsletter. So good place to get that information. And it'll send it right to your inbox. Um, we're going to kind of take a step back. And we're going to go back to veggies. Because I think it's such a, a big topic right now. Um, and we've got a couple more questions. So... Kathleen in Auburn, she just built a new house. Congratulations. You know, about a year ago and plans to garden this spring. um, And they made some raised beds last fall. But the soil sounds really bad. Anytime, you, you know, the soil smells, it's just not a good scenario. And she also says it's a gray layer like concrete or brick. Anytime you say it smells, it's like concrete or brick. I don't think your plants are probably going to do that well. Um, sounds like heavy clay to me. So what do we need to do to get rid of clay? Well, if we knew exactly that answer, the whole state would have lush gardens everywhere, and we'd be really, really lucky. And But the key was you said raised beds, so I'm hoping you haven't filled those raised beds with that poor soil. If we have, we probably need to dig it out. Sorry for the bad news. Um, but I think that the the key is when you have bad soil, um, there's a few products that you can use. One we, we have is called Soil Perfector. It's made by Espoma. And it's a ceramic product. And you say, wow, ceramics, I'm going to mix that into my soil. And, you know, that just sounds totally synthetic. And And you're right. But the nice part about ceramics is it's all these different shapes. And it doesn't conform a lot of people want to put sand into clay so you take sand and you mix it in and you rototill it and well depending on the sand it could make it set up like concrete even more green sand works it, it's helpful but you have to continually keep reapplying it and mixing it in the soil because it just keeps dissipating in the soil so this ceramic product soil perfecter you add it once and every time you work the soil, it makes the porosity and the airspace in the soil that much better. And air porosity and, and space in your soil is the biggest and most important thing. That's why things don't thrive in clay is because there is not that space. And space in your soil is key to root development. You know, if you don't have good roots, you don't have good plants. So it's very important that we always think of, it, think of, of success in a garden from the roots up. If you have good roots, you have good plants, you have good fruit. So I think a combination of things, we sell a product called Super Soil. It's half compost, half loam. You can buy that in bulk. You can fill those raised beds with that good soil. And you really don't have to do anything else the first year. If you have this heavy clay soil and you're working it and rototilling it, you can add some of this soil perfector. One bag covers 100 square feet. If it's really bad, you might add two or three bags. It will not add too much airspace. You can't really add too much with this product. But very important. Good soil equals good plants equals good fruit. So I hope that helps. Um, Certainly, come visit us in the garden center. We can talk to you about raised beds. We can talk to you about all of those types of things. Our next question is actually from our Facebook page, um, which is kind of nice. It's Daniel. He doesn't say where he's at, but uh, he he plants tomatoes in... uh, In containers called earth boxes. Um, Earth boxes are great. And he's asking what should I add aside from lime, fertilizer, to ensure continual growth? I think the big thing is you're probably doing what you need to do. There's a couple things. Um, You're going to want to use this earth box every year. So we need to sterilize it every year or have multiple boxes like we talked before, you know, that you can shift your tomatoes from one box to another. So you don't build up those soil issues, even though you might be putting you're, you're putting new soil into these boxes each year. There's still remnants from the year before. You know, you have these uh, water reservoirs and whatnot. So, you know, a light bleach solution with water, you know, scrub them down really good, um, hose them off, pressure wash them off. Um, You know, important to kind of clean that that box in the fall. Um, And then you might do a light wash again in the spring before you fill it with soil. My suggestion is don't use garden soil. Use a purchased soil. For containers, it's important. You're going to change that soil out year after year. If you don't, all the nutrients are gone by the end of the season anyways. So you could use regular soil, but my recommendation is don't. Use a good compost-based potting soil um, for vegetables. Coast of Maine makes a great one. Bar Harbor potting mix. um, Good company to work with. 100% organic. You know, the one thing is it dries out fairly quick, so the earth boxes work well. But if you're using a regular container, you can go ahead and add nutrients. I like organic fertilizers. Um, A fish emulsion is great if you can put up with the smell that's always the the catch-22 on the fish emulsion stuff, Uh, especially if you have pets. Sometimes the cats and the dogs like to get into it. So, you know, be careful about that. Test it. You know, otherwise, stay away from the miracle grows of the world. Um, Too much nitrogen. Use a lower, uh, slower feed. If you want, you could use a granular like um, Garden Tone, one of the Espoma products. But my suggestion is come into the Garden Center. There's so many choices you can talk to us about what your situation is. Um, We can go through all of those different possible hazards, and, uh, you know, we can move on from there. Well, where did the hour go? Um, We're going to wrap up here. I want to thank you personally for listening to the radio show. If you have friends or family who are interested, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna podcast this. You'll be able to listen to it on e-news. You'll be able to listen to it on our website. Um, So we're gonna have a lot of avenues where you can listen to this also on your own time. You don't have to sit and listen to us from seven to eight in the morning on a Saturday. We'd love it if you do, but we wanna make it convenient for you. So if you have feedback, you have questions, We want to be very interactive with our listeners, so please visit our website, contact us on Facebook. However you feel most comfortable, please get involved in the show. The more interaction we have, and unfortunately we didn't get to hardly any of the the questions that were submitted, and we'll try to answer some of those via email. Also, if we can't get to them on the on the show, we're still going to contact you. Uh, you'll probably get an email personally from me, if not one of my managers or or someone from our our spot. But what I will say is we're committed to being a main show. We're gonna give you main information, we're gonna give you local information, and that is key to Gardner's success. Um, So I'd like to thank you, and uh, hope uh, you'll join us again, uh, again Saturday mornings here on WLOB, from seven, eight o'clock. So the more support, keep pouring in those questions. Eventually, hopefully we'll have the second hour here. It'll basically be you call in, you give us a question, we'll give you our answer. And I don't profess to know everything. So if I don't know something and I get a question, I'm going to tell you I don't know and I need to research it. Um, and I'll get back to you or bring it back to the show on another episode. But it's really important to me that that everyone gets really, really true information. So again, I'd like to thank you. I'm Tom Estabrook. This is For the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. And hope to see you next week. So get out there and have fun. Enjoy your garden. Tune in every week from 7 to 8 a.m. at WLOB, 1310 a.m., and WLOBRadio.com. To pick up the podcast, visit us at estabrooksonline.com and uh, enjoy your week. We hope to see you next week.